Coming up tonight on the Big Footy Podcast, we bring you all the latest in trade week news and coaching manoeuvres. We bring you all the latest in AFL news and prosecutor decides to have a crack at the tough nut that is St Kilda. All this and more, coming right up. Welcome to the Big Footy Podcast, and uh, it's trade week, and we're going to be talking all things trade uh, with the one, the only, the great servant of Big Footy, the Old Dark Navies. Wookie, gentlemen, and compulsive listeners. And uh, we're still basking in his post-premiership glow, uh, and his uh, astonishing recruitment processes today. Messenger is here with us. Uh, Greetings, people. Happy days at, at uh, Wave League, Rico Centre, I think they call it now. And that newly crowned king of the trolls and uh, incarnation of uh, Lance Uppercut, the prosecutor. Oh, please, you flatter me. Thanks <laughs> thanks for having me. And joining us at the very last minute, we're very grateful to have him on tonight. Uh, Cookson is here from the St Kilda board. What's up, people? We're going to move straight on to the news then, and uh, the Lions board woes continue at Essendon with it. Uh, Brisbane Lions uh, lawyers advising the club that Matthews, Lee Matthews, who was standing for the board as part of a ticket, is ineligible to stand for the board after not meeting the membership conditions set out in the Lions constitution. Apparently being a life member doesn't equate to being a member of good standing for two years. Uh, in the meantime, Brisbane members have reached uh, the numbers required for an emergency general meeting, but the deadline for this passed on Friday with no meeting called uh, as the AFL tries to mediate a resolution. I'm a little uh, curious about that one because uh, I think corporations law requires them to have an EGM if they, uh, meet, the, if they meet the numbers, so that'll be interesting. Uh, Greater Western Sydney has uh, requested the opening game of the season for next season be moved from ANZ Stadium to what should be a potential sellout at Skoda after the Swans played their home against the Giants in 2013 at the SCG. I'm not sure the AFL will go for that, with Franklin uh, expected to be a fairly big draw, you'd imagine. Well, you'd think he'd, he'd draw a few people there. They've certainly... Uh, it matter of how many uh, young teenagers they can hire to um, come to the ground. <laughs> the renter crowd. You can give, them a, give away a lot of happy meals with free tickets. That's it. Wasn't that the old? Wasn't that the way the Lions did it for years? Oh, the That's Bears. the way they did it at Franklin's um, after Franklin's press conference on, during the week. <laughs> they, they still had the bloody tags on the hat. Awesome. Uh, St Kilda have locked in a deal to play Anzac Day fixtures in Wellington for the next five years. Uh, after the 2013 game against Sydney attracted more than 22,000 people and sold out every hotel in the Wellington area and bought in about $8.5 million to the economy, so the Wellington City Council were pretty happy with it. Choice as, bro. Choice as. (laughs) (laughs) 
2014 fixture will be out at the end of this month. Uh, Zach Tui is the only current AFL player named for Ireland to take on the Australian Indigenous side in two tests. Uh, former players Con Begley and uh, Ciaran Kilkenny have also been named. Lance Franklin is probably the biggest name to uh, be cited in a team of relative no-names that will take on the Irish. Um, there's a list of those names on the AFL website. I'm not going to go through them now. Um, and evidently, the West Australians are up in arms because the AFL has decided to stop funding country football over there. Uh, quite the specifics of that have not been revealed because the AFL doesn't actually publish the specific figures it gives to country football and WA. But uh, apparently they believe that the money can be better spent in New South Wales and Queensland, which are growing rapidly. In fact, uh, game participation in New South Wales has outstripped Western Australia. So, and not far behind is Queensland as well. So there's like a gap of like 4,000 participants. So yeah, that's pretty much Ooh, the news. I, there's other Can I add some news there? You can. You can, Prosecutor. All right, I have a few more news items. Um, Just show Matthew... me up. Make me look like an idiot. But yeah, go yeah, on. Yeah, well, that's what I try to do. Um, some breaking news tonight. Uh, first of all, uh, Lee Matthews has taken to Twitter to blast some of the current board members in Angus Johnson, Linda Nash, Cameron Milner, and Peter McGregor. Uh, on Twitter, he's gone, the stubbornness of Angus Johnson and all the aforementioned uh, board members, not to let the members have their say is astounding. Legal shenanigans like a man floating in the middle of the ocean. You can struggle, but eventually sink and drown, and a fresh start will come. And he rallies the supporters by saying you can fax, email, and letter to these individuals and know your feelings, but in a calm and controlled manner. Uh, so Lee Matthews has found Twitter and evidently has enjoyed the new fad. And also... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I was more amazed. I wasn't amazed by the content of the tweets, just the fact that, that he was on there. He had Twitter. That was what I took out of that news. So yeah, breaking news: Lee Matthews has Twitter, and also um, Lance Franklin's contract has been revealed by Jake Neal at the Age, as in the actual money per season or oh, each season. Uh, sixth season, I think, is one point three million. Uh, seventh season is 1.4, eighth season is 1.5, and then 1 million in the last year, and 700,000 in the first two years. So good yes. luck if he retires when they've got a $1.5 million hole in their salary cap. And, and the AFL said that that has to be paid out of that year's salary cap as well, so it doesn't matter yeah, when so... he retires, they have to pay the, that contract term, so... I found it interesting that they actually had to hold the Swans' feet to, their, to the fire and get them to sign on that that would actually occur. Like, clearly they saw that there was a loophole you could steer the Battlestar Galactica through, that, you know, you could sign for nine but play for six, and uh, and then they really had to say the Swans, no, nine means nine. But um, clearly nobody's taught um, Liam Pickering or Buddy about the time value of money because stacking it that far back in the deal is really, you know, he's, he's losing money essentially having having it that far back. I mean... They can't have a hell of a lot in their cap in 2020, can they? Well, you'd be surprised. I mean, the cap rises every year, so... Yeah, but they wouldn't have any other salary committed in that year, would they? It's practically a clean slate. Well, they're not going to pay people nothing in the ninth year, are they? Well, no, but they could have... They could have. Uh, yeah, sorry, guys, we're paying Lance everything this year. We're going to back-end your contracts and pay his all next year. Well, Hawthorne did that with him when he was there. They were basically, they'd signed on for a certain amount and they paid him, say, double in certain years where 
they had plenty of cap space and and and, and uh, you know banked the savings in the following year when they had bigger commitments. So it was one of the loopholes the AFL has cleared up with salary cap um, payments over the years. Okay, you got anything else, prosecutor? Or are you done showing me up? Or oh, I could go on and on, but could I you? feel bad for you already, so we'll leave it at that, shall we? <laughs> I imagine that Angus Johnson's uh, sitting with himself right now and the, the feeling of numbness would be like dancing with his sister. I, I, I'm thinking Angus Johnson doesn't... Uh, doesn't feel pressure from anywhere really. I think it's all about it's all about him and uh, yeah, he's a he's a he's an interesting character. I'm not convinced I'm amazed he that he's live. managed to um dig his uh, feet into the ground and actually you know stay on for this long despite the well what is going to be the inevitable overthrow of this board. It's yeah. a bit like well go out with dignity. But no, he's he's determined. I don't I don't I don't know what they think will happen now that the number of votes required to get the EGM up has been gotten. I mean, they can't get around that. It's been, like, doubled, hasn't it? The club either has to call it, or the members can call it without the club, as far as the Constitution's concerned. So, it's... it's, And they call us denialists. It's going to happen. I mean, they can't... They can get around anything. The AFL can get around anything, but it's not going to get around the act that enables the incorporation, so... And, and sorry, is his crime that he sacked Michael Boss, or didn't offer Michael Boss a new contract? Or well, it was that he was oh, incompetent he's, he's about got it. A, he's had a lot of um, perceived sins over the journey. Yeah, the like, move to Springfield is one that's not overly popular. The paddle pop lion thing—that's not overly popular. I tell you who you the, should get on. The you fact that get... they're millions in debt is not popular. <laughs> and they also, um, from what I've gathered from the Brisbane Lions board, there seems to be a lack of. Um, well, not so much. I wouldn't say consultation because there has been none, but a lack of listening. It just seems to be. Um, it seems to be like the Apple sort of way where we tell you what you like and you can go with it or you know get fucked. Brisbane are uh, very, Brisbane are in danger of becoming very much like Port Adelaide was last year before Kosh took over. They are, they are very much a basket case at the moment. The way they are positioning well, themselves. They're leaking players. They're leaking money. Um, what they don't have a they can't get a solid board, they can't attract the coach that they the coaches that they want. I mean, hell they lost Paul Roos to Melbourne for God's sake. That's that's about as Actually, long as you when can you get. put it like that, that's pretty bad. But I mean they have hemorrhaged <laughs> a lot of players and more are still wanting to go. It's not it's not a good look. But um And it's, and it's their top talent from recent drafts as well. I yeah. mean that's just gonna leave a black hole in future years as well if they don't um be smart about it. Yes, indeed. Um, we'll move on to uh, the coaching and trade situation that's developed over the last week. Obviously, we're in the second week of trade week now, but uh, what, trade fortnight or whatever it is these days. Gillette trade, trade fortnight. Uh, the Gillette trade fortnight. I think it's a trade month now, isn't it? You need oh, a, you, you, you trade want, period. You want to take to yourself it's, with a razor blade after three it, days. It's the trade yeah, off season, happens, apparently. But uh, so there's the, obviously today. Uh, Big boy McAvoy, as he's referred to, uh, was traded to Hawthorne for Shane Savage and pick 17, and the Herald Sun reports that it also includes the potential compensation pick for Franklin, um, which is yet to be confirmed. Um, In other news, um, 
Hawthorne's TV ratings are going to plummet next year with uh, Brian Taylor commentating on Hawthorne games. It's and also, also alcohol poisoning will increase in Hawthorne, so invest in vodka <laughs> for you. So, sorry, what you're vodka. suggesting it was, it was their first rounder and the compensation thing. That's what the Herald Sun is reporting tonight. Uh, well, that, that changes things somewhat, doesn't it? Well, yeah, well, apparently hang on. there's it's... 24 for 20, so it's just a swap of picks. Like, it's like a swap you. of picks, oh. yeah. The, the Saints are I'm looking... surprised that that's going to actually be allowed to go through, because if that's a separate deal, what's is the AFL going to... Wouldn't the AFL say that's not in the best interests of... Why would uh, it be a separate deal? Well, how can it be the current deal if it's all been signed off and the AFL's approved it all and there's no compensation picks being allocated yet? It'd have to be a separate deal. Well, it'll just it's... the contract will just include whatever compensation yeah. pick wherever it's awarded, I suppose. Well, there's only one place it's going to be awarded, which is after our first pick. Well, unless they don't rate him that highly and then it might be after the, your second pick or something. So yeah, does the so does the trade actually, <laughs> yeah. the trade actually stipulate that the compensation picks would have to exchange? Pick seventy for Lance Franklin. Sorry. <laughs> so so this actual trade would have stipulated in the uh, transfer papers that uh, that compensation picks would have to be uh, traded once um, they've been allocated. Well, if it's already been approved, you'd imagine so, unless there's a verbal agreement to throw them. But a- but theoretically, how could they do that? Because I mean, it's on. It's not going to happen. But for instance, what if say. Franklin um, Hawthorne managed to get a few players like just say for instance Selwood and Rewald in and they ended up being not awarded any compensation well then they would then then those picks wouldn't be exchanged but I mean it's in their transfer thing it's either it's a it's either a bona fide trade or it's not you can't just say oh if we get so and so we'll trade this as well when you submit the papers it should be the final deal that well, you know, what's the probability that they won't it, be what's the probability that they won't be offered a compensation pick for buddy franklin no but that's, you not, suggest that's, that's, not, hot... that's not the point though because otherwise you're going to start setting a precedent where you can cha- uh, you can start trading compensation picks before they're even being allocated and that's sure, going to start into it... a sticky situation like it might come it will probably come off in this situation but it, it leads a oh, let's, let's, let's look at the spirit of the whole thing, though. We know they're get, we know they're going to get a pick. Buddy's already signed just because the AFL want to lag and decide to take their time to decide what sort of pick it's going to be. I, I, you know, I, I think it, it, in fairness, it's, it's probably it's probably all fine on a technicality. Yeah, you might have a, you might have a point, but yeah, it's, it's, it's no, an odd issue, really. But I mean, I also, yeah, I also. Oh. I also think I that we. Yeah, you go ahead. <laughs> I also think we did it last year to get Tom Hickey. Like, pretty much, we had the agreement all ready and whatnot. It's just it needed to be signed off and wait for the compensation pick for Goddard. Mm. So yeah, the, the Herald Sun. If I quote directly from the article, it says it is understood the deal will also involve a further swap of picks with the compensation selection Hawthorne receives for the loss of Lance Franklin, possibly pick 19 sent to the Saints, perhaps in exchange for a second round pick. So, see, see, that's where I think it's ridiculous. Because I mean, sure, this one might not be abused, but in future, what's to stop a team um, coming to that arrangement and then going to sign a free agent, meaning they don't have a compensation pick to exchange? Does that mean? Then, of... Does that mean then St Kilda would be screwed over in this situation? Well, if anyone's going to do it, it'll be Sydney. Oh, well, exactly. So, I mean, you, can you see uh, where I'm coming from? Where there's so much potential for this to be abused or rorted? Not no, really, not because not ultimately. If you're agreeing to something, oh, well. then you ultimately you're agreeing to something that, and as a future consideration, and 
you know that that consideration could be, you know, X, Y, or Z. I mean, they would have a rough idea of what it is. And, and, and frankly, if they weren't sure where it was going to land, then they wouldn't, they wouldn't accept it as part of the trade. There's got to be a degree of certainty from St Kilda's point of view. And if they don't feel that certainty's there, they wouldn't accept it. Just on but, the just on the Sydney thing, uh, interesting that GWS are today begging for an expansion cap because they expect the uh, cost of living allowance to be completely abandoned uh, because of this Lance Franklin stuff as well. I'll yeah. place it with something else. Okay. So so that means they would just get it because they're the new expansion team. They are that- they are having a hell of a lot of trouble attracting experienced players. Though. The AFL's going to have to do something about that. Yeah, I don't right. have a problem with them propping up GWS for a couple of years. Well, no, it's going to be more than a couple of years, but I mean, it's in in these initial years to give them some experience. I mean, I don't have what, that much of a problem. But what do you think that what do you think the problem with them attracting people is? Is it that they're they're no good, or is it that they're in Western Sydney, mm-hmm. or is it column A, column B? I mean, if they're, there's in, there's a lot of potential in that list still, it, and. As they improve, they may well attract people. It's be- I think it's because they're going to struggle for a long time. Like they're, they're not going to win a flag anytime soon, and everyone wants to win a flag. It's one of those things where um, if they were successful, everyone would be all over it, but until you get to that point, it's like the chicken and the egg. You need these experienced players to be successful, but you need to be successful to get these experienced players to want to come into the stable. I, I, mean, I think I think it'll happen. I think it'll happen quicker than people think. I mean, what's their average age? Twenty years at the moment. Um, it, when, when Essendon won the flag in '93, the baby Bondmans weren't they only about uh, wasn't it? Weren't they about twenty two years old, average or something like that? They were quite young. Yeah, I mean, uh, but we had players like. Uh, Lewis, oh, no, I understand Watson, it, but, yeah. but once you get the bulk bulk of your list up to that 22-year-old, twenty two. And years old sort of group range, then they're going to be a lot better, and you are going to attract yeah. those. So it's only two years before they start attracting better players. And they've got yeah. the talent up there as well. Like guys like Patton, if he can stay fit, is going to be awesome. And you know they've already got. Just Cameron. look at how many teams are trying to pick over their pick over their young players at the moment. But you know? no one, no one's like they they haven't got the same problems Brisbane have. People aren't leaving on mass. They're they're going to lose one or two players, like every club does. Oh, well, they have to shed five or six players anyway to well, um, bring their list down. You have to get rid of three, so, you know. Oh, well, three. But they, have to, got, they, they have, have to bring their no, list well, down. Don't they, have, they have an extended list, don't they, compared to other teams where... I'm not sure when that starts coming down, though. Oh, it should Actually, yeah. I think it does start coming down this year, so they do have to get rid of some. Yeah. But... Hey, uh, sorry, can I, before you move on to, to the next one, can I just ask Messenger what he thinks about um, McAvoy and whether he's going to be playing first ruck? Because... I don't think of him as that great of a ruckman. He's better around the ground. Well, I, I think, first of all, you have to say that Hawthorne just won a premiership with Max Bailey as their first ruck. Who's now no I, longer there either. He's today he's, joined he's Richmond. No longer there. And, he's yeah. Richmond as a development coach as of today. So That's right. And with the unenviable task of turning Sean Hampson into an AFL footballer. But anyway, we, we digress. Hey, um, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> I... I I think it's a I think it's a good trade. I think it's a win-win trade. To be perfectly honest, um, McAvoy is a substantial improvement on any ruckman we've had on the list in the last couple of years. Uh, I think he's. Oh, I won't pretend to be an expert on him, but he he certainly his uh, marking around the ground, his around the ground work is is pretty good. I think uh, his centre square work. I think he was 
last to hit outs to advantage or something like that in the league in 2013. Mind you, he was one of the weakest midfields in the AFL, but he's an improvement. He's certainly going to be first ruck in, in that side. Um, and they've handed over, I think, fair trade. I mean, pick I, I 17. Th- Sorry. Yeah, you're right. I, mean, it's a, it, I guess the point of what my question was that St Kilda have copped a lot on the boards today because of that trade and how, how terrible it was. And I, and I thought the same thing when I heard it. And then you start looking at McAvoy and what sort of ruckman he was and who St Kilda have coming in, you know, Hickey underneath and stuff like that. And you go, it really, what, it, like you said, it is a bit of a win-win. And uh, I just don't see people had that, that sort of a perspective on it. Well, put it this way, the, the, th- the issue is, and this is the, the Chris Pelkin playbook as well, Chris Pelkin's about collecting assets, he's about collecting picks, not about drafting players. So you've got a known for Hawthorne, you know what Ben McAvoy is. I think at 24, you'd have to say the history of Ruckman is that most Ruckman have not peaked at 24. They're probably, his best football is in theory 26 to 28. And so, but really, he's a known quantity for. for do, do you think? Whereas, what St Kilda have got is a pick. Do you think? And they've got Shane Savage, and Shane Savage is a capable AFL midfielder. He's nobody's idea of a superstar. He will run all day. He he's you'll get his head over the ball for you. His kicking's a bit iffy, but you know he's a in, in a midfield that desperately needs depth. He is absolutely the right guy. He played 15 games for us. He's no doubt he's going to be best 22 for St Kilda. So from that point of view, he certainly um, satisfies the need for St Kilda. But look, it's um, it's a, it, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. The other issue then is, can St Kilda then parlay that pick into something else? And talk is they may be able to get Billy Longer with that pick now. I, I, I was about to ask, do you think that the uh, McAvoy trade is a signal that Hawthorne pretty much gave up on Longer? Because there's reports today that Longer will probably end up staying in Brisbane. Well, no, because my understanding was, and certainly what Graham Wright had said, is that Longer was aware that Hawthorne were after Shane Mumford originally as well. Billy Longer's 20 years old. There is, there is no probability that he is going to first ruck for Hawthorne in 2014 if he comes down. Yep. None. He's just, he's just too young. How, how many 20-year-old first rucks are there in this league right now? Not too many, you'd imagine. So, yeah. you know, he might want to come down for opportunity, but even if he goes to St Kilda, he's he's, he's behind Hickey as well. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but he'll back himself to sort of take over from Hickey or take over from McAvoy at Hawthorne rather than Lewinberger up in Brisbane. All right, well, we... I mean, he, he's in the same spot. I, wherever he goes, he's in the same spot. He may as well stay in Brisbane. Yeah, I just Lewenberg is probably above those, the others. That's all. So he's probably yeah. more hope down the building. Okay, guys, we're going to move on. And to the utter surprise of no one today, uh, Mark Thompson was confirmed as Essendon coach for next year. Um, put your hand up if you were surprised. No, can't pro- see our hands anyway. No, great <laughs> Jane- radio. James Hurd will apparently study abroad for the next season. Paul Little told a press conference today that Hurd won't take over during the season, even if even after his suspension is over. Um, Essendon also fired Dean Wallace and hired Neil Craig. So, uh, big day for Jeez. big 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 day Jesus. for Essendon. That's, that's I, fantastic. I, I have a couple of questions. Like, 
Is Herdy studying abroad in Mexico or Colombia or maybe the Netherlands, somewhere around there? And what's oh. Sandwich? Oh, oh, sorry, he's, he's studying overseas, New is he? Albuquerque, New Mexico. Sorry, when you said he was studying abroad, I, I didn't know you meant overseas. I was, did you I say Mexico or New Mexico? So, did you say he's studying in New Mexico? Albuquerque. <laughs> he couldn't be that silly, could he? Um, <laughs> Melbourne have fired Chris Connolly, and obviously uh, they fired Neil Craig yesterday. Oh, uh, cuddles. <laughs> uh, North Melbourne have secured Lee Tudor as senior assistant after he didn't get the Essendon job, and Jeff Walsh returns to North Melbourne, uh, this time as director of coaching. Uh, and as we mentioned earlier, Max Bailey has joined Richmond as a development coach. Um so that's 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 the coaching roundabout, and there does seem to be a bit of a a lot of movement this year on the coaching front compared to normal. Well, there's still a number of positions open. I mean, Adam Simpson has. They're still looking for a, a number two over at West Coast. So who's number two at West Coast? They haven't got one at the moment. They're looking. Yeah, and Hawthorne will be looking for an assistant, and um, there'll be a few around. And I guess Sydney's looking for an assistant if Lee Tudor's left. Burns has gone back to Colling, uh, gone back to Collingwood from West Coast, so which makes interesting. it interesting. He, the uh, not not lamented in the least by West Coast supporters, I noticed. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what's going on over in the West. They're an angry bunch over there normally. And uh, just Wookie and uh, ODN, I just wanted to get your take on the um, Sean Hampson to Richmond trade. I'm, I'm, yeah, well, yeah. I'm sure you're being very sincere here, too. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm disappointed. You are not. A little bit. I, think really? we got rid of, I think we got rid of the wrong one, but anyway. You're a liar. I, I, I just a... wondered whether whether he was wearing a balaclava and holding a shotgun when you did oh, the Oh, no, don't, don't get me wrong. It was a reasonable It was a reasonable deal because after after playing probably half the games that he could have played in the, in the seasons he's been there and being injured yet again for most of the year, his value was nothing. But just potential-wise, I think he has the potential. If he, he and, and there's some doubt over uh, Marrick and, and, and some of the injury concerns he has that um, they, they think Hampson's going to get a fair bit of first rucking duties. And I think I think he will excel at it as long as he stays on the park. I mean, he might be injured the whole time and get delisted in a, you know, go and start drinking in a dark bar somewhere after after a couple of years. But he's um he. He, he's, he's got the he's got the potential to do more um, at Richmond, and I hope he does well. I tell you right now, Sean Hampson. We got a good deal for him at Carlton. Don't get me wrong, but Sean Hampson, with a decent development coach and a guy who's not John Barker as a forward coach, is going to actually kick goals. And he not only that, he's going to be first ruck, and he's going to break Fed Franning's record against us next year. <laughs> And because if he if he gets going, we haven't got a backman that's going to stop him at Carlton. He's going to kick like a million goals against us next year. We're going to. And, and when did you say that Ruckman come uh, peak, Messenger? I I think Ruckman peak well into their mid twenties. Absolutely. And so guess, so he, he's he's around the age where he could, where he could just launch. He could. He could. I, and I'm telling you now, I hope he does well. I hope Carlton still win, but I hope he does well for Richmond because. Uh, I think he's been massively underrated. He hasn't had a fair go in the first ruck. He's been behind Cruiser in a lamppost. And I'm not happy. I'm, I'm just I'm not happy that we traded one that actually has an upside and the other one that only has an upside and nothing else to his oh, game. Man. 
50 and purely because loss. he. He, he works better. He works better with Cruiser than, than Warnock does. That's Everybody awesome. works better with Cruiser than Warnock because Warnock can only stand there and just look at you after he taps the ball down. It's like, hi, <laughs> I've given you the ball. You run away now. I'll Bye. see you back in the middle. Also, oh, how, do you feel about, oh, how do you feel about losing Megan Gale as a supporter? No, I don't care. Oh, she oh. did. She did. She did tweet that uh, you know that she was going over to Tigerland and stuff. So, but she did say for now. So I assume she's just doing that. You know, if it was a, uh, we didn't lose Joe Bailey when Soss went and you know started working for GWS or anywhere else. But uh, you know, I suppose if you're still playing, you've got to follow the man across, don't you? I I am less optimistic about Sean Hampson's um, abilities than uh, than you guys and. I'll take it you guys will watch him more often, but I I think you hosed Richmond. I think you've completely hosed them, and I think he needs a map of VFL grounds next year. I, I don't. He's well behind Merrick. Well, well, well behind Merrick. As, as, a, as a ruckman, and this is not something that people have seen a lot of, but his hit-outs to advantage is one of the best in the league on average. Um, he can actually mark the football more than people get credit to him for because he actually gets more to the ball than most Ruckman do. Yeah, but what's his stats like in AFL level, not VFL? He's hit he out to seven, advantage. Seventh, seventh most contested, uh, contested marks on average this year. In the in league. AFL. And guess who was number one? Oh, Cloak. Actually, for Ruckman, I think you'll find it was oh. McAvoy. It probably was, actually. Oh, well, uh, no, McAvoy was... Uh, he was only... Oh, sorry, one, no, he one, was number one for intercept marks. Yeah, yeah. McAvoy is actually a bad equal with Cruiser for uh, contested marks. He's so. the Jack Watts of Ruckman. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, um, the, um, oh, what was I going to say? The, the interesting thing with Ruckman now is with the interchange cap, these guys are going to purely be judged on their ability to stay on the ground and their endurance. And I just wonder whether Hampson's got the tank. Actually, you'll be surprised by Hampson's tank. He's quite—he's he's surprisingly athletic when he's fit, um, and he's also surprisingly quick over a short distance as well. But um, yeah, if you look at game time, I'd, I'd, I'd be more worried about Warnock staying on the field for longer. I'm worried oh, about. No, I agree. Yeah, he's—he's he's in trouble with the. He does game. about seven. He does about seventy-nine percent game time. He doesn't have to. He stands in the middle, pulls out a sunbed after the centre bounce, <laughs> waits for the ball to come back. You never see. Uh, you never sorry, see him in a turnover, do you? No. Uh, is, this, is this live or are we doing a season's highlight podcast? Oh, we fucking will be. <laughs> yeah. Now, one more question, one more Carlton-focused question before we all want to go off and have a stiff drink. Um, any bets? Any tears? I'm, I'm disappointed, but um, he like it was all about the money. He went for a longer contract for more money. Um, good on him, but... Um, I wish he hadn't gone, to be honest, because we lose a fifty goal a year forward. So, look, yeah, look, we we've we've gained a midfielder, we've lost through free agency, we've lost a forward, but we have we have Yaron and Garlett, Garlett that can play those positions. We have Buckley potentially coming through. We have Menzel who can go up into a forward pocket. So we, we're sort of covered in that area, and he didn't have a great year, but you know he was a, he was a Carlton boy through and through, and we're going to miss him. And but Carlton supporters have been really, really gracious about the whole thing, and you know we all went on the Adelaide board and congratulated them and said good on him, look after him for us. You did know, we? That's pretty... Well, um, most of us did. You didn't because you're a grouchy old bugger, but but everybody else did. Fucking 
fucking traders, all of you. <laughs> all right. Uh, in other trades, Colin Sylvia uh, has gone from Fremantle to Melbourne. Uh, Good luck in the waffle, Colin. <laughs> <laughs> can enjoy playing for Peel next year, apparently. Yes. Uh, he might join Paul Bauer down there, who, uh, yes. if he doesn't get dropped when they all merge with the Fremantle clubs next year. Uh, Matt White has gone from Port Adelaide to Richmond. I've no idea who Matt White is, so uh, good on him. Look at you, tag somebody. <laughs> He's even got the generic bloody name, Matt White. John Smith went to Port Adelaide. Who went to... Sorry? No. Sorry, 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 Messenger, you do you do tend to overrate Richmond players just because they flog Hawthorne every year. Remember that. That's, that's not true. That is not true. <laughs> they do flog us every year, but I don't overrate. But Matt White's a reasonable footballer. Fair, fair enough. Uh, Shane Mumford has gone to GWS from Sydney, seen the writing on the wall after the Lance Franklin stuff. Uh, obviously, Lance went from Sydney to Hawthorne, and Dale Thomas has uh, completed the transfer from Carlton to Collingwood. All, all well and good. It's yep. a very, very expensive um, half forward flanker. It, it might be a very. It's a very active trade period this year, though. Um, you think there's more to come, though, wouldn't you? There's well, North have apparently been set a deadline by St Kilda if they want Del Santo. Gumbleton's apparently still on the table about the place. Um, Crammery deal still to go. Crammery, yeah, Crammery's still on the table. And, and there's flow-ons from the Crammery deal because Bulldogs and Carlton are both into Doherty. So if 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 Essendon hold out, the Bulldogs change tack and, and go for Doherty. That'll be you know the Doherty, Doherty's still going to go from Brisbane. The interest, uh, and then in um, Essendon might package up twenty-two with something in an attempt to get Heath Shaw. Should he not want to go to um, GWS? Well, it, I, I would imagine Ess. Do Essendon have pick twenty two? Do they? Oh, that's what. Oh well, no. Assuming the um, primary trade goes through for twenty two. Yeah, because yeah. I think their earliest picks at like forty five or something. And, and, and like... surely everybody wants Gumbleton. Surely. <laughs> Look, honest, no. to, honest to God, ODN, I'd be quite happy for us to get any kind of key forward this year. We we do we do have to pick somebody. Up I'm now. fed up with whether, whether they're whether they're an also ran or a you know a glimmer of potential. We do need to just uh, someone to give you some um, optimism. Here's, for here's what annoys me well, about some depth. No, not not the optimism. Just to have some depth in that position because yeah. you know I, I don't know that we're going to go. We, we're going to be happy going in with Wake and Casbolt or Rowe. Well, you're as not our, going as our in forward with, options. Well, you're not going in with Wake because he doesn't get on the field anyway. He, he well, played we nearly will. half we, the we, season. We will for year. about nine games next year. I'm not, I'm not sure that... The, the whole thing that annoys me about getting Dale Thomas to Carlton was that we still... Well, we can have all the midfielders in the bloody world and we can have all the half-forward flankers in the bloody world, but we have no key forwards. We've got, you know, uh, that row guy and Levi Spudbolt and... <laughs> We're going nowhere with them. Well, I, and I, then, I think, hell, you I have think... to throw Lockie Henderson forward, and that leaves bloody Josh that's, that's, Brisbane was, to take on Rewalt. I was saying no, this man, the other Watson, day. Watson. I was saying this Watson the other day. Watson, very big head. With Betts gone, yeah. our major forwards of the last two years have been Walker, um, Henderson, and Garlett, and, and two of those play backmen. Like, two of those are our key backmen, so we're robbing Peter to pay Paul to win games half the time. I don't, Get Potsy Adley, then. I, I would fucking well, take Potsy Adley. <laughs> we're looking at him. I would take Megan Gale to play full forward if she could catch the bloody thing. We're, we're looking at Potsy Adley and, uh, and Chapman. Oh, we're going to have the oldest list in the league next year. So if we, we can get Heath Shaw as well. Sweepstakes. Oh, everyone. 
No, I what? honestly think I'm on, I'm quietly confident that Essendon can secure him. Yeah, Essendon was supposed to be after him, so. You know what? I would absolutely love to see Paul Holt Chapman in a Hawthorne jumper. I would. <laughs> it would just make my day. I would laugh my ass off. I'd do it just just for the just for the lulls. It would jo- be fantastic. Joel Corey I'd just was him in the rich- all year and bring him to Geelong games. That's it. Jo- Have you laugh and piss him off again? Joel Joel Corey retired. Yeah, it's a surprise. So, uh, well, I think he was retired. I don't think he retired. I think he was retired. <laughs> If Some rumours of him moving straight into an assistant coaching role. Yeah. Some, at, yeah at Geelong? No, well, yeah. No, it's a rumour. It's Carlton, actually, but I don't know whether, you know, I probably shouldn't even raise rumours. It probably came from trade radio or something. Uh, apparently, uh, St Kilda are in the box seat to uh, get Josh Bruce from GWS in exchange for Sam Fisher. Who? Josh Bruce. Oh, that's, that, that is actually a pretty good trade. Well, Colin, they yeah. can turn... They can Young turn Sam Fisher into Josh Bruce. That's pretty bloody good. Xavier yeah. Ellis is apparently in Perth and going uh, medical tests uh, for Fremantle. Yes, that's been, that's been an open secret for about two months. Jesse White is apparently now living in Melbourne, according to the <laughs> AFL website. <laughs> apparently uh, looking like oh. he's going to be traded to Collingwood. Oh, he's, look, got okay. to he's got the sleeve tats that'll suit it. Yeah. Well, it is again. It is absolutely the fool's gold of trade period. He is. It is going to be the funniest thing if he turns up at Collingwood. That guy could not. He, oh my god. He did all right in the final series, huh? He had eight. He's had eight. No, he didn't. Career games, and he's got himself a contract with Collingwood. Uh, no, he didn't. He, no, he didn't. Uh, he did not do well. Jesse White, <laughs> Jesse White is not good at professional football. All right. Uh, a couple so, of clubs still chasing Taylor Adams, apparently from GWS. Uh, pies have got. I, I, my understanding is that what I hear on in the race morning is that that Heath, if Heathshaw ends up at Geelong, which is still a possibility, that. Adams will end up at Collingwood. Uh, no, no, no takers for Darren Jolly yet either. Uh, oddly enough, I think this no. is. I think this is very, very small and, chance. And, that and the didactic Carlton rumor proved uh, to, to be false. Don't yeah, yeah, it was pretty much new. That was that was too far for Nick to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that, that's pretty much uh, the news for so, today. Uh, have I missed anything, prosecutor? Uh, I've got news. Lenny Hayes is having a son that's <laughs> finally important, but father-son tip for us. Only if he can play 100 games. All righty. We're going to have a quick break, and then we're going to come back, and Prosecutor is going to troll the St. Kilda
Life here, and we are back, and we're talking about St Kilda, and uh, there's been some issues there reported lately. St Kilda are doing a bit of a review at the moment, as reported on the AFL website. Um, there, it's a lot wider than was first reported. Uh, they're apparently looking to establish themselves as a Melbourne uh, Bayside club, shift the culture, the attitude, uh, rid itself of misconceptions about its Seaford base being an outpost. <laughs> Who can keep a straight face and say that, really? Ensure all sides of the club, football and commercial, are working towards unified goals. Um, annual reports are due out any day now, so we'll get a much clearer picture of uh, just how things sit. And by any day now, I mean any time between now and the end of January. But, um, yeah. So, uh, Prosecutor, you've got a few things to say, and Cookson has joined us for this discussion. Yeah, thanks, Wookie. Um as we saw on the forums today, uh, I raised some concerns about the long-term, uh, well, at least in the next decade, the uh, viability of St Kilda and a potential fight for its survival. Now, a lot of people jumped on my back and disagreed, um, but I think there is some worrying trends there, um, both off-field currently. Like, at the moment, it's not, you know, as in, it's not as bad as, say, uh, North Melbourne in 2007 or even Melbourne at the worst or all that sort of stuff. Mind you, it's bad, but I think the upcoming, uh, the likelihood of potentially five years in the wilderness, it could well be that, especially when you look at their, um, when you channel your inner Terry Wallace and look at the demographics of the list, there's definitely some dire times coming along. And there's got to be genuine concerns that, you know, if these, um, these, uh, bad performances keep going on that uh, it can impact severely financially with their supporter base um, already this year the membership was down 7.71% on the previous year uh, membership was membership uh, was at its around 2005 and 2006 levels um, and just to give you uh, an idea um, the Bulldogs North Melbourne and Melbourne which I think are three comparable teams to St Kilda, as good as you're going to get. Um, their memberships have all increased by a ten to twelve thousand since two thousand and four, while St Kilda's currently at a two thousand uh, two thousand membership increase and is on the decline. Uh, home attendances are well down, um, twenty eight thousand this year, or twenty nine thousand if you want to round up for this year, compared to just three or so years ago when they were getting 40,000 regularly for about six or seven years straight. Uh, smallest uh, assets, net assets, with $5 million for the Victorian clubs, $14 million in actual assets. Uh, Wookie, as you noted, the, they make the lease from gaming from Victorian clubs. Losses in three of the last five years, and I dare say that's going to be another loss this year. Uh, I, I, I just think it's a, they're in a real dire situation. I don't think they've um, capitalised at all on their recent success. Whereas you look at teams like um, Hawthorne's capitalised on um, Tasmania and really made that a heartland. Um, I just can't see it with St Kilda. I don't know where they're going to go from here. Uh, Seaford really hasn't panned out. Uh, and I think by the time that the supporters that they might have caught during the 2009-2010 uh, successful years actually grow up and become actual members... It, it might be at a point where it's too late. I mean, maybe not as in fold completely, but, you know, when that sort of uh, relocation uh, 
musical chair stops. It might be it might be that uh, St Kilda are the team without a chair and get the tap on the shoulder. All right, Cookson, what do you got? All right, what I've got is well, I'll probably start with my my theory about what's happening at St Kilda. Like first up is Andrew Thompson is pretty much institutionalized a full review of the club from football department to marketing to everything as what was been said and we're trying to again establish ourselves as the Bayside club and pretty much I think also along the peninsula too like and also believe that the membership's down because we're lacking getting members in there like we have a load of support except we're just not engaging with them as such because our social media is not as good as other clubs and other things like that misconceptions are bad with the recent issues with the dwarf burning and Stephen Milne thing. So yeah, we're all. I'd suppose St Kilda supporters are prepared for this pain coming up because pretty much from 2003 to 2012, we won at least 11 games a season. So eventually, and we pretty much stuffed up every draft from 2007 to 2010. I mean, this flat out. I think pretty much the only real success we could say is Stephen. And Armitage, so. Well, um, you mentioned the 2007 to 2010 drafts. Uh, it was mentioned today. I think it was on Trade Radio. Um, yeah, shoot me now for listening to it. I feel bad too. But uh, no, no, apparently, Gillette Trade Radio. Yeah, it was Damian Barron, Terry Wallace. So, like, I, I came in, I came away from that completely disillusioned with the game. But in any case, the St Kilda of the since 2007 and. Between 2007 and 2010, only three players remained from the 19 that they drafted during that period. And, I mean, um, you mentioned the difficulty in attracting supporters and supporters also, you know, becoming prepared for pain. Uh, I, I agree with you that the hardcore St Kilda fan that you'd find on Big Footy, for instance, is definitely going to be, you know, prepared for that pain and might even embrace the challenge of building from the bottom. However... Um, the the problem is in previous years you see teams like um uh for instance Hawthorne and um well even Geelong I guess you could use this example have managed to build upon these supporter bases that they've had during successful times and the membership trend is particularly is particularly worrying because while it's down seven point seven one percent this year um. It was around 39,000 during 2010, 2011, whilst, which obviously is a flow-on effects on the grand finals. But, I mean, you've gone down 7,000 members to 32,000 uh, within two years. Um, and I guess you say communication's bad, and I think I think disillusionment's bad as well at the moment. I, I think there's a genuine concern that these supporters might continue to drop off or that they'll be lost to St Kilda especially considering the lack of success, uh, success that St Kilda's had. Um, I think it's going, it's going to get to a point where um, maybe the, the people think, I think it might be a bit like Melbourne where the heart of the demographic becomes a bit older and you start to lose that youthful presence that uh, some teams get where like Hawthorne, for instance, they're constantly topping up with successful periods every decade for the last 50 years. So they're going to have that uh, healthy stream of support, whereas I just don't see that coming from St Kilda. Probably, well, probably the best thing we can do is just we need to sell as much hope as we can to supporters. Just say, right, we've got some young players. Come and see them, developers. And you might not see wins, but you might see 
the next legend or something like that. We just need to find an angle and sell that and just push on and try, like, really make our next period, whenever that is, probably, well, I don't know. Just need to win flags. Like, we seriously need to win the premiership just to sustainability. But the, the problem I have with that is, um, yeah. and this, this comes back to the McAvoy trade, that uh, St Kilda's list demographics are shockingly out of proportion. Like, I'll give you, I've got some stats here to compare them to some other teams and different points in their, um, I guess you could say, your premiership clock. Um, St Kilda, uh, 20, uh, 20, oh, for players under 27 years of age and with 50 plus games of experience, St Kilda currently has four players. Now, to give you an idea of other teams in the league, Essendon currently have uh, 15, uh, not including one player who's Jake Carlisle on 49, uh, players who are under 27, 50-plus games. Hawthorne, 13. Melbourne, 11. Uh, Players who are over 27 years of age are over. St Kilda still have 15 on their list. So, um, and compare that, Hawthorne has nine, Essendon six, and Melbourne two. So, I guess the worrying trend there is uh, St Kilda still have these senior players over 27 all on the list. And, yeah. I mean, you've got yourself in this right at the moment. And as shown by that, um, you don't have these players, these young players with experience, especially under 27. I mean, and 27 is a, a pretty generous age to, you know, say that they're you know, in the middle of their career or whatever. But only four players now have 50 games or more. And, I, I mean, McAvoy would have made it five. And, but, and I, I, honestly, me and I think a lot of opposition supporters would clearly say he was your best ruck. To trade him out for what was essentially peanuts, um, I, I just personally don't understand it. I think uh, McAvoy and Stevens and, you know, maybe Robertson and the like should be the players that you build your next team around. And if you want to sell hope, I don't. I just don't see what trading them is going to achieve. Well, I think the reasoning behind the McAvoy trade is that because we're trying to rebuild a new midfield, and also to be more competitive in games, we need more of a tap ruckman, which Hickey is, and also McAvoy and Hickey are two first ruckmen, so and they both wouldn't work for each other. So it's either McAvoy or Hickey, and I think. Pretty much, they were well. Most supporters have been debating about trading McAvoy as he's the one who has the most currency, in essence, to get draft picks. Because this also probably also stems back to a, a meeting slash interview thing that Pouchin had with Platinum members and all that. He said that his goals were pretty much get a solid list by 2016, like to be contending, to have. I think rough three first round draft picks well in the next couple of years in one draft or three sorry under twenty and also try and get focus on key position backs and key position forwards. And I believe that we're going for midfield heavy this year, trying to just pretty much stack up as much games as experience while we can while Rewald, Montagna, Del Santo, Dempster and all that are still there. So, it's but pretty much the, the, what you're, the one what problem you're reciting, I Sorry, Cookson, what you're saying that is that is so Chris Pelkman. I've heard that yeah. that's his that's his playbook, and it's all about grabbing a group of guys, drafting them together. You draft the big guys first, and and if you look at Hawthorne's 
trading sort of in the Chris Pelkin era, he'd get three or four guys. And I think one year he had five guys in the top, five picks in the top 22. And I think, and two of those, Birchall was one of those, and Max Bailey was another, and the other three were were, were out of here. And it, and it's a, it's a, it's all, it's a, it's a high potential, high risk, high reward strategy. It's really difficult to execute. It is really difficult to execute, but it is all part of the the selling hope uh, type environment. But um, it's tricky. You know, McAvoy is a. McAvoy's right in the prime. Like to me, twenty-four for a ruckman—that's that's coming up to the prime years. That it, that's the thing that struck me about it. If McAvoy was twenty-eight, I could understand it. But he's 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 got ninety games in him now. I mean, he's 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 got over the hard bit. Yeah, it's yeah. just like I was probably like I personally wanted to keep McAvoy just because he's more flexible around the game. But I suppose I have to back the judgment of the club and does. They're probably just seeing something that, or maybe have information that I don't have access to. But also with that, I think. Well, I know what Reece Stanley's are trying to get Reece Stanley to be fit and trying to get him to be this second ruck sash for tall uses athleticism because we have forwards. For, our forward line's pretty sorted, I would say, for the future. It's just the midfield and defenders that. We're worried about. So. Who would you say your key forwards are for the future? Probably Lee White, Lee White, Stanley, and Sipos can be a swing man for us. Genuine question: Do you think they're actually though a premiership forward line? Well, not right now, but I think Lee has potential to be good. Sipos again has been injured this year, but he's got an excellent kick, and he just needs to work on gaining endurance Stanley if he remains fit he will be he could be a really good player as having 200 centimeter plus athletic people there yeah. worth gold pretty much I White, feel sorry yeah White yeah. they're just well he's still developing he's very raw but we're hoping I feel a bit for the Saints because I feel like they're in a uh, Carlton post parking era where you sort of you know you've had you've been making finals and you know you've played off the grand finals and lost and uh, Parkin sort of you know just kept topping up a little bit and kept the older players around you know uh, like like St Kilda you keep your legends around and your champions and they're a little bit untouchable and um, and I, I feel like Lyon might have sort of bled that list dry a little bit. He, and there was a lot of complaints around a few years ago that he wasn't really bringing on the younger players to, you know, even if they didn't make it, at least they would have been turned over a little bit faster. And now it feels like Watt has, has, has come in sort of, you know, a, a, a rookie coach and he's taken two years to start really starting to rebuild that list where, you know, he really only needed one year to have a look and go, okay, I know where I want to go, but he's, take, he's taken that extra year to, to allow Cozzy to, and I don't know what the contract situation was, but, you know, your Cozzy's and your Blake's and your Mills going on that extra year, it seems to, you've just been late in your rebuild and I feel I feel like you've just, it's, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think it's a killer the club's fault. I just think they're probably being left tired dry a little bit by line and uh, and he saw the writing on the wall when he jumped, so Yeah. But all I, I know I one question on that though, but 
Um, if you remember early in the year, Ross Lyon, not Ross Lyon, sorry, um, Scott Waters was very big on not calling it a rebuild. And in fact, he went out of his way to make sure that um, it wasn't referred to as that or that sort of thinking wasn't uh, allowed into the club. Does that worry you that he had that sort of, um, at least publicly, he had that sort of uh, denial about where St Kilda was at? Uh, probably, probably not. I mean, just a coach, just pretty much talking shit to the media, I and mean, it all happens. Yeah. But well, it, well, look, you know, they were you were yeah. close. St Kilda were close enough to to the eight last year, not to not you know to think, oh, well, maybe that was just an aberration, and we'll jump back into the finals again because that's where you'd been. So early in the season, you're still going to hold out hope. At the end of the season, when you've only won you know, five games or whatever it was. You know, obviously, obviously, you'll call it what it is. So, uh, and St Kilda's not a team that can tell, that can basically tell their supporters, "Hey, expect to be losing for a few more years now because we're starting again." You've, you've got to, you've got to sell that hope and keep their spirits up and keep them coming to games and keep those members memberships going. And coaches tell a lot of lies early in the season, and as soon as all the membership numbers are finalised, I'll tell you, tell you the truth. Well, you can't be, you can't be a team that simultaneously has all its best players at the wrong end of their career and be a five-win team. Like, you can't... You've either got to be old and ready to be knocked down and successful, or you've got to be young and no good. But the mix that St Kilda have got now is poison, and ultimately, they are going to have to... You know, trading Dal Santo, I think, is the right thing to do, as much as it would hurt St Kilda supporters... But that's the signal to the supporters to say that the club says, we know what the situation is, we have to do something about it, and this is us doing something about it. We are serious about knocking this thing down and starting again. They have to do it. I think the only St Kilda players who are untouchable as of right now are probably Stephen, Robertson, Hickey, Rewalt and Montagna. Well, see, I don't understand why, why Lee Montagna would be untouchable. But that's oh, because... me. He, he's he's the sort of guy that would yield. To me, I would have thought McAvoy was structurally more important. Probably because Lee Montagna has he's been injury free. He's been professional all the way through, and we believe he could play on for another five years. Because I think he has no. rarely missed any games. So. But, I mean, isn't that Del Santo in a nutshell who hasn't missed any games? In... Yeah. But I think Del Santo's getting traded because he has more currency on the outside than Montagna. Yeah. Right. The only of the, the senior guys that would be the real body blow would be Rewalt because he would be... He's more he's far more symbolic, I think, than the other guys for the St Kilda fans. But, yeah, I mean, really, as you say... Jack Stephen would be to me number one untouchable because he's your best midfielder, and will be he'll be the he'll be your best midfielder in five years too. All right, we need to start wrapping this up. But uh, Cookson, I'll give you the final say. It's your club, mate. How are you? You're positive for the future? Uh, probably more. Well, the next twelve twelve months will probably be crap. The next season is not going to be good. But I just hope we just play young players. We get as much games into them as possible, much development, and also just focus on building camaraderie in the, in the team and focus on getting a new era at the St Kilda Football Club. Oh, excellent. Good stuff.
Uh, Cookson, you do a, a cricket podcast now for Big Footy. How's that? How's that going, mate? It's been going good. Final episode was a bit crap, but we're getting better, and it's well, it's building up for a big Ashes series and a big Australian summer. We discuss what's happening in the cricket domestic scene and other internationals with myself, uh, Kip Tastic, uh, PT Izzle from Brisbane, and Tours from Fremantle. And with the occasional guests, and we have, well, there'll be week three guests from the Essen board, which is ETH Dog or something like that. Yeah, App Dog. And this episode, which hopefully will be out soon, episode three, we'll have a special Ashes highlight from Cryptastic. And it's actually got some really good stories about Darren Lehman and David Warner and whatnot. So I highly recommend listening to it. Excellent. And you can get more details on that from the Bigfooty Cricket Board at uh, www.bigfooty.com. And since uh, you're still here, ODM, why don't you tell us about the Big Brother podcast before you start whinging about me leaving you out? <laughs> no, uh, I won't talk about the Big Brother podcast. You can cut that out. Do you want me to, do you want me to just uh, make a quick mention of the loss of one of our, uh, one of our posters? Yeah, go for so, it. <clears throat> um, it's come to light on the Carlton board this week that um, one of our popular posters, the Cranium, um, passed away. Uh, he, he's been sort of absent this year and uh, somebody's followed up on Facebook and uh, found out that he's um, uh, he's passed away while working overseas. Um, he, he's, he was around for several years, very generous um, our leading contributor to all our sponsorships and uh, any sort of fundraising for bushfire appeals and things like that. Uh, it, a lot of a lot of posts very upset about it. We're finding out that he sort of uh, he used to, if people were sort of troubled in their lives, he, he was sort of that uh, that that experienced hand would sort of uh, send them private messages and sort of give them advice on, on life and different things like that and it was much appreciated. So, uh, yeah, we're all, we're all a little upset this week. It did, it did happen uh, late last year, so it's happened a long time ago for his friends and family, but for us it's only just happened. And, uh, and uh, well, can you say rest in peace the cranium? Well, anyone else got any mm. sentimental stuff they want to bring up before we sign off? Well, I've got some other random news, but... Yeah, what do you got, mate? What do you got? Throw it well, out. Well, Sachin Tendulkar has retired after his 200th test. It's off topic from footy, but there it is. Did he end up... He's the world record holder for runs or something, is he? Still? Or... Runs. All formats. Yeah. Centuries. <coughs> Fewest LBWs in his home country. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, guys, we're going to wrap this up. Thank you very much for coming on tonight. Um... We may be back next week if there's enough news to justify it. We may not be. But uh, thank you very much, the Old Dark Navies. Thanks, everybody. Thank you very much, Messenger, who has... I don't know what you've been doing in the background or not, but there you Having are. Happy hour. <laughs> as, long, as long as it was PG, right? I've been, sitting on, the, I've been <laughs> sitting on my couch. He's been, like, deep breathing or something or not. It's like... <gasps> <laughs> I haven't. I've been like eating chips or something as well, aren't you? No, none of that either. <laughs> I, I didn't sit on the squeaky chair tonight for you. No, well, well that's, that's a change. <laughs> Prosecutor, thanks for coming on, mate. Always a pleasure. And uh, Cookson, thank you very much for coming on at the last minute. Cheerio. And uh, we will see you all on the floor.